Assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh. Welcome back to the Three Muslims, the realest podcast in the dunya. Today we're joined with Dr. Mustafa Khadab. Assalamu alaikum, Akhi. Wa alaikum salam. Zakallah khair for having me. Alhamdulillah. Wa alaikum. Before we begin, people are probably wondering where is Rami. Unfortunately, you see Brother Rami on the on the thumbnail that I made, but he couldn't make it. He has some uh, last minute circumstances coming up. So, inshallah, without further ado, let's get into it. Anho, bro, what's on your mind? Man, first I want to hear a background story on you, brother. And assalamu alaikum, how are you? Wa alaikum assalam, alhamdulillah. 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 There's a little, did you, when you read the clear Quran, there's like a little bit of a of a foreword or like pretext. And then uh, I remember a little bit of the story into what, what made you want to translate it, right? I think you were in a taxi or an Uber or something like that. But for anyone that's here, they don't, they don't know the story. They don't know the details. Why don't you begin with that, inshallah? So the story happened in uh, Toronto back in 2013. So I was a visiting imam at a local masjid. And I didn't have a car back then because it was just one month. So I used to take, you know, taxis every day back and forth. And um, if you have been to Toronto, many of the cab drivers are Muslim. Alhamdulillah. But that particular day, uh, it so happened that the cab driver was not Muslim. So uh, I was sitting in the back and uh, all of a sudden he said, you know what? Uh, Muslims are good people, but Islam sucks. And I said, whoa, whoa, whoa. Why, why do you say that? And he said, because your book, the Quran calls me an animal. And I said, bro, I'm Hafizul Quran. I, I know the Quran by heart. It doesn't say that anywhere. And he cited 855. And the verse says that the worst of all dawab, I'm going to explain this word in a minute, are the disbelievers. And I said, bro, but the word dawab does not mean animals. Because Allah explains this word in another verse in the Quran. Because the Quran explains each other. You know, the verses explain each other. I said, verse, uh, chapter 24, verse 45, Allah says, Allah explains the word dabba. He says, Allah created uh, every dabba from water, some slither on their bellies, some walk on two feet, some walk on four feet, and so on and so forth. So it's a very general term. And if you read the context, the historical background of the verse, uh, it says in the same verse that uh, namely those uh, pagans that they make peace agreements with you and they violate them every single time. So it's talking about the people of Mecca. It's not talking about the people of New York or the people of Toronto. And he said, this is what his translation says, khalas. So that night I checked, there is a website called uh, islamawakened.com. So for every ayah, every verse of the Quran they give you, back then it used to be about 40, 45 translations. Now I believe the number went up to about 70, 75. And that night, back in 2013, I checked the website and... I found out that many of them say either animal or beast. And I said, you know what? That's it. I'm going to work on my own translation. Uh, so I studied Islamic studies in English and translation at Al-Azhar. So that was my field. And I used to give out da'wah translations like the old one, verily, uh, thou, beneficent, all those uh, difficult words. And I know that the translations had, had some issues, but I didn't know it was that bad. So, alhamdulillah, that night I decided, I, I made the intention to translate the Qur'an to make, to make the Qur'an more accessible 
and to uh, translate it in a way that people can understand and relate to. Alhamdulillah. MashaAllah. So how many languages has it been translated to so like thus far? Well, we have we have done several editions of the Clear Quran. So there's the original one. Then we did one with the Arabic English. Uh, then we did the uh, Hevs edition. We did the parallel edition. We did one with Osmani script and one with the Indian Pakistani script. And now we are in the uh, phase of printing uh, the Tadabbur Quran, the journal study Quran. So half of the page, you see the text. On the other half, we left it blank so you can add your own Tadabbur or the gems that you come across. We oh, also did the, the Clear Quran for Kids. This is this is something else, mashallah. Um, it has been edited by kids between the ages of 7 to 12. Uh, also, we a couple of years ago, we released the Clear Quran Dictionary. Uh, because the Quran has only 2,000 root words in Arabic. And this is a very small number. So if you master those 2,000 words in about six months, then you understand the whole Quran in Arabic. You don't need the translation anymore. So I did this one specifically for my non-Arab uh, Muslim brothers and sisters. Alhamdulillah. The last one, where can we find that one? Would you find uh, it on Amazon like the other ones as well? Uh, you can, but you can go to our website, theclearquran.org. It has all the editions. I'll put all the links in the description, inshallah. inshallah. Go ahead, go ahead. Yeah. yeah, we also have apps for the dictionary and also for the, uh, for the, uh, for the uh, Quran translation. MashaAllah. So, question. By any chance, I don't know if this is one to you or someone else just kind of like took a fancy to the name, the clear Quran. But um, there's one that I saw, it was like the clear Quran, but in Spanish. Do you have someone yeah. that like translated it in Spanish? So basically, uh, because the clear Quran, alhamdulillah, has been made accessible and, and easy with the surah introductions and the titles and the footnotes. So uh, Imam Isa Garcia, the Spanish translator of the Quran, his translation is very popular in Spanish. And he happened to be publishing with my publisher, Al-Furqan Foundation in Chicago. So we spoke to him and we made a deal that he's going to model his translation after the Clear Quran. So he took the introductions mm. of the Clear Quran, the titles, paragraph titles and the footnotes, and he modeled his translation after mine. And now they call it the Clear Quran in Spanish. Yeah, yeah. I think and, I think I bought that one <laughs> from my grandpa. <laughs> yes. Alhamdulillah. Excellent. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the clear kids, as we speak, is being translated into 10 different languages. Uh, Japanese, uh, Urdu, uh, Bangla, Dutch, Turkish, German, Spanish, French. Many translations. Because to the best of my knowledge, there is nothing like this in, in the market. Uh, they usually have all translations, black and white, no stories. But this one, because it, it has been edited by kids, and when you read it, you get, this, you get the sense that it was written by another kid. So I feel there is a lot of demand for this translation because it really takes the, clear, the translation for kids to the next level to make it more accessible to them. Hmm. I love put butter on it. I mean, so, 
You said that one specifically, the kids' version, is going to be translated in all these different languages. What about the clear Quran itself? Is that going to see like a French edition at some point and all these other languages? Maybe in the future, but uh, there are some, I've set some standards, uh, requirements for the translation to be done. Uh, number one, the translation of the Quran itself has to be done from the Arabic directly. I don't mm. want it to be done from the English. The kids' edition, what makes it different? So basically, the translators, let's say Turkish. So the Turkish team that translates the clear Quran, they basically translate the text of the Quran, Alhamdulillah, Rabbil Alameen, Ar Rahman, Ar Rahim, from Arabic. Then you have my own tafsir, my own explanation, stories. These are my own words. They can translate them, but the text of the Quran itself has to be done uh, directly from the Arabic. And this is why, inshallah, if we do. Uh, the translation in the future, it has to be done by a team that knows the target language, let's say German, Spanish, uh, and the original language, the Arabic language, and they can use the clear Quran as a reference. Uh, mm. So let's say if there's a verse that has different meanings, I chose one based on scholarly discussions, they're going to take my preference. They're going to use my footnotes, my titles, my surah introductions, explanations, everything. But the text itself, the Quran, the Arabic, it has to be translated directly from the Arabic. MashaAllah. Hmm. So how long did it take you in total to actually do everything? Yeah, I was going to ask this too. Like total, like how long did it take you to translate? <laughs> I started back in 2013. So it's almost 10 years since I started. SubhanAllah. Alhamdulillah. Inshallah. Let's, let's jump right into the questions. Anho, do you have anything or should I go? I just wanted to say something before we get the questions. That, yes, uh, inshallah. We have acknowledged that no translation is perfect. Not the clear Quran, nobody else, right? Uh, because the, the uh, translation of the Quran basically is an imperfect human effort to translate the perfect word of Allah. So we have to keep refining the work, improving it, tweaking it. Uh, so anything that is perfect is the Arabic text, the Arabic text of the Quran. My translation is a humble human effort. Uh, there are some decent, good translations out there by the giants of translation, like Muhammad Abdul Halim from Oxford, Dr. Ahmed Zaki Hamad from Al-Azhar. And I think the clear Quran is also a decent translation. Uh, uh, but there are some other translations, really, that were done by people who are not qualified to translate in the first place. Like, let's say there is uh, this uh, an electronics engineer or by this accountant. Like, if you read the introduction to their work, they say in their own introduction, we are not qualified. We have no training whatsoever. And my answer is like, dude, if you're not qualified to do it, why did you do it in the first place? And they end up just copying... Use of Ali, Pickthall, Sahih International, all these older translations, they start copying them because they were not qualified. I know they were motivated by their love for Islam. They wanted to do something. They wanted to leave a legacy, but they really did a great disservice. Uh, how do I know? Because some of those translations, when you go out to do street dawah, some missionaries will come to you with, some of those older translations, oh, there's a mistake here, there's a contradiction there. And they say, oh, the Quran says that it has no contradictions, but there is one here, one here, one there. And I tell them, dude, this is not the Quran. 
This is somebody's understanding of the Quran. If you want to criticize, if you want to critique, you have to go to the Arabic text. But this is not the Quran, right? So just like you cannot tr trust any doctor with your body, you have to go to a professional doctor, not some guy who's sitting down the road with a with a sign that handwritten sign that says I'm a doctor. No, it has to be someone who is qualified, right? So if we uh, don't trust our body to someone who is not qualified, how can we trust our iman to people who are not qualified to translate in the first place? Yeah. So I think this is yeah. something, and it's really interesting because I have been into. Uh, in the interfaith field for so many years, Muslims are the only community that will accept translations of the, their own book, their own scripture, uh, by people who are not qualified. You go to the Jewish community, give them a translation of the Old Testament by someone who's not trained, they will not accept it. Christians, Buddhists, nobody will accept a translation of their own holy book that has been done by someone who's not qualified. You know, so I think this is something that we need to think about deeply. Just take your translations from reliable sources. Right? Wallahu alam. Yeah, you know. Rant. <laughs> no, no, no. It's a good rant, though, because, look, like, when I first came into Islam, because I'm a revert, by the way, but when I first came into Islam, I had read the old English. And um, even though it's, it's more difficult to comprehend, it, it still got the message through, right? And that, that's where you'll notice is like if someone's sincere, if someone's pure in their heart and Allah's guiding them, they're going to receive the message, regardless if it's difficult to interpret or not. Now, I used to hear that like, oh, the Arabic, the Arabic is like where the real words are, where the real translation is. And I'm like, yeah, OK, I get that because in like Spanish, you know, like Spanish is different than English. But it's like when I, I have this brother who's teaching me Arabic, may Allah bless him. And, like, the more he teaches me, the more I learn and I'm reciting. He's, like, kind of just breaking things down for me. And, and we listen to, like, tafsirs. I'm just, like, oh, subhanAllah, like, it, it actually is. Like, the Arabic language, especially back then, like, the one that's compromised of the, the Quran, like, it, it's such a rich language where you have one word that can, it can be, it, it can mean so many different things. Very true. So it's, like, when you say this, I can comprehend that now and I'll, I don't want you to think that um, the clear Quran isn't like a, a top, top book in that series in terms of the interpretation. Because I'm going to tell you one thing. I've read many Qurans and the clear Quran to this day has been the one that's been, for lack of better words, the clear Quran in English, at least. Alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah. And before someone uh, asks the question, I'll have to give you the answer. Why the clear Quran? Why did we choose this name? Because some people will say, are you saying that other translations are not clear? And I said, this is not the point. Because when I was looking for a, a name for the book, uh, who is better than Allah to give a title for his book? So the Quran has, has titles for the Quran. So you have Al-Quran Al-Azim. This is mentioned in the Quran. The great Quran. Al-Quran Al-Majid, the glorious Quran. Then we have Al-Quran Al-Mubin. The clear Quran. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala refers to the Quran as clear twice in chapter 15 at the beginning and chapter 36 at the end. So we took this out. We took this from the Quran. So the Quran is clear. And this is the translation of the clear revelation. 
So mm. this is the reasoning. And this goes like for other translations, like the noble Quran. Are you telling me that the other translations are not noble? The glorious Quran. Are the other ones not glorious? No, this is just the title of the book, which is different from the translation itself. So I just wanted to clarify this. Yeah, mashallah, good clarification. Alhamdulillah. Oh no, bro. You got any questions? Or should we go in? Bro, I I literally have taken all the spotlight with with uh, the Sheikh here. The Sheikh. The Iman. Alhamdulillah. Okay, let's go in then. So I, I have a mentally compiled like a list of questions for you. These are things that I hear from everyone and I'm seeing commonalities between them. Um, they're going to be from people that are non-Muslims usually, right? Because these are the people that are like, hey, I went on YouTube and I saw a video by this guy, you know, who's probably like some fake ex-Muslim or an Islamophobe, you know? And they always use different translations of the Quran to fit a narrative that they're trying to propagate. You know what I mean? Yes. So this is a big problem in the community. We can talk about this. Um, but again, these are non-Muslims. We can't really control their actions. All we can do is refute them. They've been refuted multiple times, but they'll always come at you with this, right? And they'll say that, okay, first question. Why was the Quran in Arabic? If Islam is a universal language, not, not a language, if Islam is a universal religion and the message is supposed to be transferred to anyone regardless of which language they speak, why was, why was Arabic? Why Arabic? Thank you. This is a very good question, alhamdulillah. And Allah says it very clearly in the Quran. Quran and Arabian So I have revealed the Quran in Arabic so you will understand. Uh, some of those attacks uh, at the Quran, really, they are not new. They have been recycled for so many years. And the first people to actually highlight those questions were Muslims themselves. You go back to the teachings of Az-Zamakhshari. Az-Zamakhshari is a great uh, uh, interpreter of the Quran in his tafsir of Kashaf and Ar-Razi and so many others they will tell you in their tafsir why does the Quran say this our answer is this so even before the Islamophobes could think of those questions Muslims actually compiled those questions and they gave the answers long before the Islamophobes could come up with those questions so some of them, some of the old scholars say said, okay, why Arabic? So one of them, I believe it was a Zamakhshari, he said the same could have been said about any language. Imagine if Allah revealed the Quran in Spanish. Then the Chinese people or the, uh, the uh, French people say, why not French? Why not Chinese? Why not Urdu? You know? So uh, he said that Allah ha had to, to reveal the Quran in one language because it couldn't be revealed in all the 214 or 250 languages, more or less, in the world. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala chose the best one. The Arabic language is so rich. So the Arabic language basically has 6,000 roots. 6,000 roots. And from those 6,000 roots, we derive more than 12,500,000 words. 12 million. 500 words, million words. This is 25 times the number of words in the English language. Almost 98 times the number of words in the uh, Russian language. But English, 25 times the number of words in the English language. So the Arabic language is very rich. There is a book, someone wrote a book historically 
about the names that we have in the Arabic language for lion, L-I-O-N. And the list was over a thousand words, a thousand words for lion, just one word. Asad, Wilais, Wadamfar, Wahizabr, Wakaswara, Wahidaros, Wosama, Hamza. All these are names for lion in the Arabic language. We have about 25 different levels of friendship, about 25 different levels of sleep. Then Nuas, then this, then this. It's so rich. And subhanAllah, I'll just give you one example to illustrate. Like when I read the tafsir, the explanation of the Quran in Arabic, sometimes one word in, in, in an ayah in the Quran has like five, seven, ten different meanings, and all of them are acceptable in the Arabic language. The example that I always like to give in Surah Safat, Faragha alayhim darban bil yameen, when Ibrahim salam started to smash the idols with his yameen. Okay, so the word yameen could mean with his right hand. Right? When he had the axe, he was using his right hand. The word Yameen in the Arabic language also means, and uh, it means power. He was smashing the idols with all of his might and power. Also, it could mean he smashed them by virtue of the oath that he had taken when he said, Wallahi, I'm going to destroy you. So this is called Yameen in Arabic, an oath. All of these meanings are acceptable in this ayah. Which language can give you all these different meanings in one word? None. Only the Arabic language. And this is why the Quran had to be revealed in the Arabic language. On top of that, the Arabic language is the most beautiful language in the world when it comes to writing. You can look at the calligraphy, go to Istanbul, see the, the, the masajid, the way words are written. The Arabic language will always be youthful until Yawm Al-Qiyamah. So for example, the Quran was revealed 1500 years ago. Till this day, even people in my village in Egypt who didn't go to school, who couldn't read or write, if they listen to the recitation, they will understand at least 90% of what is happening. I went to school. You guys went to school. Bring me a text from Shakespeare from 400, 450 years ago. I bet you, you will not understand 98% of what he is talking about. That's 400 years ago. So, uh, so uh, these are just some, like a small flavor of how beautiful the Arabic language is. There is no other language that will match this beauty and power. Some of the scholars say that the language, the original language that Adam السلام, came with to this world, some say, Allahu Alam, we don't know, it was the Arabic language. And they give you a proof from so many languages that they have so many words that have been borrowed from the Arabic language. Just one example. Uh, as I said, the, Quran, the clear Quran dictionary, the Quran has only 2,000 root words. This is one root. It, it comes from one root. Uh, so I listed the words based on frequency and theme, not alphabetically. So basically... Uh, when you study a regular dictionary of the Quran, if you read the first 20 pages, Abba, Abaqa, all these words appear only once in the Quran. So when you start to read the Quran, you don't understand anything if, you, if Arabic is not your language. But if you study the clear Quran dictionary, uh, the most frequent words are mentioned at the beginning. The least frequent are mentioned at the end. And the words are grouped based on meaning. So fruits are together. 
Prophets are together. Um, nature, words related to nature are together. The names of Allah together. And so on and so forth. Time, place, and so on and so forth. So uh, the, uh, the, the Arabic language, as I said, is very rich. As I said, 2,000 words make up all the words of the Quran. And as I said in the introduction to the Clear Quran Dictionary, you already know a hundred of those words because they were taken from the Quran and they are used in the English language and you don't even know. So you already know a hundred of them. Let me give you a few examples. Do you know the word merge? Merge. Mm-hmm. It comes from the Quran, Surah Rahman, Maraja al-Bahraini al-Taqiyan. So Maraja in Arabic means merge in English. Then you have the word fake in English. It comes from the word ifk. Ifk, fake. Tall in English. Tawil in Arabic. So many words. Damage in English comes from the Arabic word damaga. Damaga. It's in the Quran. To damage. Right? There are so many words. These are just a few examples. And solid and and salt and ard and earth. They come from the Arabic language. Yeah, yes. so there are so many reasons. MashaAllah. <laughs> Fire, bro. What are the questions you got? Alhamdulillah. Man, my mind is blank, bro. Just just taking all that in. SubhanAllah. That was... Okay, I have a question. I have a question yeah, then. Uh, Brother Mustafa, how yes. long did it take you to become a Hafiz? Well, I joined Al-Azhar in Egypt at the age of seven. And I completed my hills at the age of 12. That was a requirement at Al-Azhar that you have to memorize the Quran uh, f- between you know, grade one to, to that grade. From the age of seven to the age of 12. MashaAllah. Alhamdulillah. MashaAllah. So would you say it actually came easy to you since you know in, in Egypt you guys speak Arabic? Well, again, everyone is different, but the way they were doing it at Al-Azhar, you memorize new sections. You have to review them before you memorize them. We used to write them down. And the teacher would review with you the section that you're going to memorize to make sure that you're actually uh, pronouncing the words correctly. Because if if you memorize it wrong, it's very difficult to unlearn what you have learned in the wrong way. So then we would go the next day and recite uh, of the top of our heads uh, to the sheikh and he would give us a new section and we have to review the old sections that we had memorized. It's easy to memorize the Quran, but it's extremely difficult to retain it, to keep it in your mind. So you have to keep revising. You have to keep revising. Mm -hmm. Interesting. So... Uh, if you don't mind, I would like to ask a few personal questions, please. And if you feel like you don't want to answer them, 100% respectable. Even though this is live, we can't cut anything out. But uh, I will respect if you don't want to sure, answer anything. Know. One thing I uh, wanted to add, yes, the Arabs have the advantage to memorize the Quran because it's in their own, their own language. But how come that most of the people who win international competitions of Quranic memorization are not Arab. Hmm. So they come from Nigeria, they come from Indonesia, they come from other countries, they don't speak Arabic. So this is the miracle of the Quran. Allah says, We have made it easy. 
So, uh, subhanallah. Yeah, subhanallah. All right, well, if you don't mind, some personal questions I have for you. So, sure. uh, you said you said you're an imam and that you were in Toronto and you were at the masjid and doing stuff. How long have you been an imam for? And is everything that you do, like, are you just an imam, like, full time? Or would you say, like, you do also some other stuff? Because, like, we've met some people who they're, they're sheikhs, but at the same time, they might work at, um, I don't know, maybe, like, accounting or, or maybe something like that. Yes. So I started my imam career back in 2007. And sure. just uh, in July of this year, I retired from the imam job. Really? I retired. And before I retired... Oh, bro, we lost, Oh, man. no. It was getting juicy, too. I know, bro. Every every episode, bro. Someone asked, are you live or has this happened before? No, this happened before. No, this this happened before, bro. Yeah, we're just we're just time traveling to answer your questions, bro, in the future. I don't know how we're doing it still. Uh I do oh, wanna address where's he at, man? I don't know. I do want to address uh someone writing, Can you guide me? I want to sincerely learn about Islam. Best thing I would recommend is this the Quran. Like just read the Quran, read the clear Quran. Get get a copy of the clear Quran. Um this right here is the translator of it, inshallah. Still don't know where he is. Uh, I think they oh, and oh. we lost them, boys. <laughs> yeah, and just just be very sincere when you ask for guidance, ask for the creator for guidance. And um, of course, you know when you're reading, reflect on what you're reading, and if you have questions, like seek people of knowledge that can answer these questions for you. Don't just seek. Um, brothers who may be muslim yeah like and even though like they might have the answer and they might have the best intention at heart like you you generally want to go to people of knowledge and trust like if you don't know anyone that's of knowledge just ask your muslim friends where they are and they'll, they'll lead you to them inshallah sorry i guess uh stream froze for about a minute yeah, no, you you were saying though you said that um this was uh this year you you retired from being an imam. Yes, in July. Subhanallah. Why? Why? It's a it's a long story because as I said, I was doing three full time jobs at the same time. I was an imam full time. I was a da'i doing dawah full time, and I was also working on these books full time. So I put about. A minimum of 10 hours, 10 to 12 hours every single day. Even though I was doing full-time jobs, I was babysitting my kids. I was, so subhanAllah, but Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala made it easy. And I was able to produce like, you know, two, three books at the same time. So I was working with the dictionary. I was working on the Clear Quran for Kids, volume one. I was working on a story called Shukran, the Grateful Young Man. At the same time, and, and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala put barakah in the work. And I have decided that, you know what, I think that the clear Quran requires all of my effort and all of my time. So I gave it all up. Uh, I gave up my dawah job. I gave up my imam job so I can focus 100% on these books. 
the Clearground for Kids, the Dictionary, and there are so many other pro that projects that are in the works. Uh, and this, this project is actually four volumes, four volumes, the Clearground for Kids. So uh, by the time we finish in uh, Ramad by Ramadan, the book will be released Ramadan 2024, it would have taken us eight years. That's two years per volume. Um, a team of over 100 people working on each of these books, uh, writing, uh, editing, uh, illustrations, designing, uh, printing. So this is a huge project, man. You know, translating the Quran itself is a, is a tremendous project, but when you bring it down to the level of the kids to, to their understanding is also another challenge. And working with a big team of kids, about 70 kids between the ages of 7 to 12, to translate the Quran for them, to make it easy, understandable for them, this is a huge challenge. So I had to give it all of my time and all of my effort. Alhamdulillah. 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 Did you did you start babysitting your kids as well? Well, Alhamdulillah, it's much better now. Uh, <laughs> because I, I back then I sent my wife to school. Uh, she was a doctor in Egypt and she was uh, studying naturopathic medicine. Uh, oh, mashallah! So, so I had to drive the kids and cook for them and babysit them, and most of the time, Alhamdulillah, while doing so many other projects. But it's Allah who helps. Alhamdulillah. Yeah, alhamdulillah, that's crazy. Alhamdulillah. That's crazy. Alhamdulillah. Look at this comment. Someone wrote, It's the brother of the clear Quran. I cannot tell you how much I can thank you for this book. The translation is too good. Allahumma barak. That's from Allah, and, not from me. Alhamdulillah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We got one from uh, Dr. Hamza. It says, Assalamu alaikum, Ikhwan. Please give my sincerest greetings and regards to Ustad Mustafa. Let him know I'll be soon reaching out to him. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala keep us all. Firm and steadfast upon Islam. I mean, I mean, just like Allah, Dr. Hamza. So, what is the best place to reach you at uh, for other people aside from Dr. Hamza that want to get in touch with you? Uh, you can use my email, imammustafak at gmail.com. Okay, alhamdulillah, alhamdulillah. Okay, Ano, bro, you got any questions? Should I go? Yeah, on? I was going to ask by any chance, do you give any kind of courses? Do you teach any kind of courses? Do you have like a team who they teach certain courses, maybe it could be like Arabic or, or just something having to do in this field? Well, for, for now, because I'm so busy with these Clear Quran projects, if I get an invitation like an online conference or an event or a talk, I do that. But for courses, I have put a uh, uh, stop on that for now until I finish. So maybe after a year, Two years, inshallah, when I finish all these projects, I'm going to focus on teaching the Clear Quran Dictionary. So maybe mm. I'm going to put a portal. You study at your pace, four months, six months, a year, and you get a certificate, you understand the whole Quran. And maybe I'm going to teach a course on the Clear Quran Tafsir for kids to make it easy for them, uh, inshallah. But one thing inshallah. at a time, inshallah. Yeah, 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 inshallah. That's how we get things done, one thing at a time. Alhamdulillah. But a lot of yeah. my talks and lectures are available on YouTube. The ones that I recorded in the past. You just go to YouTube, punch in my name, Mustafa Khattab, one word, my channel will come up, inshallah. Okay, inshallah. And the difference between someone going onto the Quran dictionary and just kind of going at it themselves versus them doing like this online course that you would do later on 
what would be the difference there? Well, I would say the uh, the Clipron has been designed for self study. Uh, the words you can read the you know the uh, transliteration of the words you can read them on your own. And I made it very easy, very clear, so you can study it on your own at your pace. Uh, but you have to start with the introduction because it will help you to figure out the name, the verb, the particle. Uh, and there is also something very interesting about the Arabic language. You can actually tell the meaning of a word by the way it sounds. So, for example, most of the words that have thick letters like kha, sha, da, va, they have negative meaning. But the words that have thin uh, letters like sa, ra, a, most of the time they are positive words. Uh, so, for mm. example, let me give you an example. Sakhr uh, and asal. Sakhr. Even if you don't know the Arabic language, you know that the word sakhr is a harsh word. It means rocks in Arabic. Sakhr. You have the word asal, which means honey. You have the word adl, justice. And you have the word diza, diza, uh, which means injustice. Uh, and so on and so forth. Uh, so basically, uh, you can start it on your own, but I think with the help of the new re released app, the Clear Quran Dictionary app, you can download it for free uh, to sample it. Uh, you can use that as uh, an aid uh, until, inshallah, I teach I teach my class. I know that some Islamic schools and health uh, programs across North America, they started to use the Clear Quran Dictionary with their students. So if the program is four years, by the time the students finish the four years, they know the 2,000 words. Because memorizing by itself is good, but of course, it's more important to understand as well. So mm. memorizing is good, but it's better also to understand what you are memorizing, inshallah. Yeah, yeah. 100%. Inshallah. I got a question, though. Sure, sure. A lot of people in my family, in my community... You know, let's say they're born Muslim, but they haven't been practicing most of their life, you know, and they, they have this, you know, they're called to Islam later in their life. Right. So now they're kind of like, OK, what is more beneficial to do? Should I spend my time like and, th and there's also, you know, more barakah, you know, finishing the Quran before Eid, you know, in Ramadan. We all know this. So they always ask this question. You know, I hear this very often. Should I spend my time reciting the Quran? Or should I spend my time reading the translation and understanding what it means? I would say the best thing to do is to read the Quran in Arabic. But let's be practical. More than 85% of Muslims, they don't know or speak the Arabic language. Arabs are actually a minority within the Muslim community, only 15% or less. So basically, the Quran is a universal message. So what are you going to do if you don't speak the Arabic language? So you can read the translation. You read the understanding of some ulama, big scholars, the giants of tafsir. They explain the ayat uh, for you. But really, the difference between reading the Quran in Arabic and reading the Quran in translation is like eating fresh and canned food. It will just give you a flavor, but it is not the same thing. Uh, also... Uh, when it comes to your personal relationship with the Quran, there are steps that the ulama spoke about. The most basic level is to read in Arabic or in translation. The next level is to memorize, if you can. 
the third level is to understand what you are memorizing and what you are reading in translation and tafsir. The next level is to do tadabbur. To the word tadabbur in the Arabic language means back or bottom. So technically it means to get to the bottom of something, to really understand deeply what it says, like the back of your hand. Remember we said back or bottom. You get to the bottom of the ayah, you understand it like the back of your hand. And people have been really doing tadabbur on the Quran since the time of the Prophet ﷺ until Yawm Al-Qiyamah. Every generation finds gems that the previous generation didn't know. And this is something unique about the Quran. You read Shakespeare, um, you, you read a book, a novel once, and khalas, you throw it, you don't want to read it again. But the Quran, people have been reading it. Some of the ulama, they read the Quran hundreds or thousands of times. And still the beauty, the love, the sweetness is, is there. Also, one thing you need to do, you live your life according to the Quran. Uh, you know, Umar ibn al-Khattab, they say that he completed his hifz of Surah Baqarah, just one surah, in 12 years. It took him 12 years. Why? Because he said he wouldn't move to the next five ayat until he practiced the first five. So he understood his connection with the Quran is not just something that you listen to when someone dies in a janazah, you just listen to the recitation. Um, some people, subhanAllah, they just, I don't know about you, but in Egypt, uh, car insurance is not fard. It's not like a must. You have hmm. to have car insurance. And a lot of people just keep a copy of the Quran in the trunk or in the dashboard just for protection. You know, uh, some people, subhanAllah, I did this when I was young. I didn't know about istikhara, you know, praying to Allah for guidance when you make a decision. So we used to open like an, a random page. And the first ayah that you see, this is what you're going to follow. So if it talks about enjoyment, if it talks about Jannah, ah, oh, this is a good sign, I'm going to do it. If it talks about roasting in Jahannam and suffering, oh, I'm going to run away. You know, but this is not the reason why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala revealed the Quran. So we should read it, understand it live our lives according to it, apply it to our lives, and teach it to others, and do tadabur in it. And the Quran says that he, Allah has revealed the Quran as a shifa, a healing for everything, for the individual, for the family, for the society, for the Muslim ummah. All the issues, all the problems that we have in our lives, their solutions are in the Quran. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has sampled the prophets in the Quran. Not all the prophets who have been sent from the time of Adam to Muhammad Sallallahu are mentioned by name in the Quran. This is what Allah says. Uh, we told you this, the stories, the names of some of the prophets, but some others we have not told you their names or their stories. Allah mm. sampled them. Mm. So in our life, we have, we have the economy, social life, we have politics, we have families. So if you want to learn about politics, read the story of Musa with Fir'aun. If you want to learn about social life, family dynamics, read the story of Yusuf If you want to learn about financial corruption, you read the story of Shu'aib and his people. And of course, the Prophet his life covers all of these aspects. So Allah says that the Quran is a healing for sure. Now I'm going to tell you a story to illustrate. I love stories. I know a friend. He's an imam in the UK. Uh, he said, this is a true story that happened uh, a long time ago, back in uh, in the day in Egypt, 
The imam said his relative had an ear infection and he went to the doctor. So the doctor examined his ear and he said, oh, you have an ear infection. You have to take these tablets. Take a tablet every eight hours. And I want to, I want to see you in three days. So the patient didn't wait for three days. Uh, first in the morning, next day, he came back to the doctor and he was in pain. He said, doctor, I took the first tablet. I was in pain. I took the second one. I was crying. I took the third one. I couldn't sleep the whole night. So the doctor said, okay, let me re-examine your ear. And the doctor looked inside his ear, and sure enough, he found the three tablets stuffed inside his ear. This is a true story. So the medicine was correct, but the way the patient was using the medicine was wrong. And I think this is what many of us do when it comes to the Quran. Allah says it's a healing, but we don't use it the way it should be used. The way I explained, reading it, understanding it, tadabbur, applying it to our lives, seeking shifa through the Quran. Uh, this should sum up your relationship with the Quran, really. Inshallah. Mm. Inshallah khair. khair. My next question is going to be, and me and Anho, we've been dealing with a lot of, you know, brothers and friends that we've had, you know, kind of before Islam. They're kind of still non-Muslim. And sometimes we try to give them da'wah. And may Allah guide them all, honestly. And without giving details, there was there were some brothers that we were talking about, you know, they would come to us, they would ask us about, you know, the Quran, you know, I'm reading this. And at that time, Anho has already become Muslim. So we would try to, you know, tell them this is why this, this is why that. One thing I heard Anho say a lot was you need to go into it with an empty mind, like with no preconceived notions, with no, you know, Fox News type of thing, no narrative. Just go into it. Just blank. Right. And they empty would try cup. to do that. Sorry, what was that? Empty cup. Empty cup. They would try to do that. But then when they would come, they'd be like, OK, uh, but what about this one? you know david wood says in chapter nine this happens you know or what about this person i see online jordan peterson or this other person you know they're talking about the violent verses in chapter 15 i'm like bro how are you already in chapter 15 you just you know what i mean how are you in the 15th surah so what advice would you have for a lot of these brothers and sisters that are interested in the quran but they they might be having some type of bias when they read it. You know, one thing I personally would tell them is just to envision that this is literally Allah, God, the one creator speaking to you. Just this is this is his message. But what advice do you have? It's it's a very good question. Uh, number one, the brother who is asking the question, this is my message to you. You are not better than the Prophet and the person you are doing da'wah to is not better than Abu Talib. So the Prophet ﷺ was doing da'wah to his uncle for years. Uh, he gave him all the reasoning, all the proofs. He recited the Quran. He saw the character of the Prophet ﷺ, but it didn't work out for him. Because hidayah at the end of the day is not in my hand, is not in your hands. It's in the hand of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And this is part of the uh, of the mu'ajizah of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This is part of his 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 power and his might. You read the seerah of the Prophet you see someone like Umar ibn al-Khattab. The Sahaba used to say that Umar will not accept Islam until his father's donkey takes shahada, which means impossible. And when you read the story of Abu Talib, the uncle of the Prophet how he defended him, how he took care of him, how nice he was to him, you saw next page he was going to become Muslim. And what happened, subhanAllah, Abu Talib never accepted Islam. 
Umar ibn Khattab accepted Islam right after and he became a giant of Islam. So basically, Hidayah is in the hands of Allah. This is something that we need to understand. The people who come to us or the people that we speak to, uh, talk to about Islam, they need to understand something. Um, I wish they treat the Quran the same way they treat their own Bibles or they treat their own books. Uh, because let's say, for example, violence. Uh, the word qitar or qatl is mentioned in the Quran maybe 20, 25, 30 times max, whereas there are references to violence or killing in the Bible more than 5,000 times, right? 5,000 times. So people, they, they are not fair in the way they treat these books. And when they read the Quran, they actually come it with preconceived notions and they look for, you know, some ammunition excuses that justify their disbelief. Mm. I'll just give you an example. For example, I'm a farmer by birth. I like farming. I like nature. So when I was young, I learned something very interesting from a very young age in the village in Egypt by the Nile River, which is behind our, ba uh, our backyard. We have a, a stream from the Nile River. I used to see the bees and the flies flying in the farm. You know, zzz, they fly, the bees and the flies. And they see everything from the top. But eventually, bees always landed on flowers and flies always landed on garbage. People are the same way. Some people come to the Quran with the B.I. Uh, mashallah, they are positive. They read with an open heart and an open mind. They would benefit. But those who come, they just come to confirm the, the junk they heard from David Wood and other Islamophobes. So these people have the fly eye. They come, they just look for the junk they read from other people. They have not actually read the Quran. They read about the Quran. What a hater, what an Islamophobe said about the Quran. And this is not fair, you know. All you need to do is just come to the Quran with an open heart, an open mind, and read for yourself. See if it makes sense or not, and take the challenge of the Quran. Allah says, if you think this book is not from me, make something like it. If you think this book is not from me, find a mistake in it. It is that simple. And I've seen so many people, subhanAllah, <clears throat> the majority of the people that who came to Islam, they accepted Islam because they read the Quran. They came across an ayah that touched their hearts. I know some people come to Islam because they met a good Muslim and so on and so forth. But a, a sizable number of the people who accept Islam was because of something they read in the Quran that really touched them. Or something they read about the Prophet So when people read the Quran, they're not actually reading it. The Quran mm -hmm. is reading them. So if they come looking for excuses not to believe, Allah will give it to them. Those who are coming sincerely to look for guidance, Allah will give it to them. Right? So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, says in the Quran that, يُضِلُّ مَنْ يَشَاءُ وَيَهْدِي مَنْ يَشَاءُ He guides whoever he wills and he misguides or leads astray whoever he wills. And some of the scholars say that uh, whoever wills, could be the pronoun could refer to Allah or could refer to the person himself. Allah guides those who want to be guided 
and he leaves astray those who don't want to be guided. So whatever you want, Allah will give it to you. Right? So mm. I think this is something to think about, inshallah. This is so this is so interesting, subhanAllah, because a lot of people they say, Oh, you know what? It's 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 not my fault if Allah just chose not to guide me, you know what I mean? Or it's not up to me. I you know, I didn't choose to be misguided, Allah guides who he wills. But it does come down to the individual person, you're right. Yes, of course. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Uh, he tells the Prophet in one place you guide, in another place, guidance is not in your hands. Because there are two types of guidance. Uh, Hidayatul Irshad, like you show someone the way, this is one type, and this is the job of the Prophet. But for them to actually take that path and walk that path, this is their own job, and this is in the hands of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So our job is just show the way, explain, give proofs. Alhamdulillah, and Hidayah at the end of the day is in the hands of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But if the if Islam is explained clearly to someone and they reject it, then they will have no excuse on Yawm al-Qiyamah. They have to answer for their denial if it explained for them clearly. Hmm. Inshallah, I think that's a wonderful point to end it on. Um, me and Anhel, or at least me, I got Juma soon because I'm in Eastern Standard Time. Uh, Anhel, it's late for him in France. Um, but Ustad, is there anything else that you wanted to leave for the viewers before we wrap this up? And next time when we get around me, inshallah, we can continue this. Inshallah, my advice to uh, everyone is uh, have a personal connection with the Quran. The big ulama of Islam, Ibn al-Qayyim, Ibn Taymiyyah, the scholar, different scholars, they used to say, subhanAllah, they spent most of their life reading the Quran, but they were also working on fiqh, on hadith, and before they died, many of them said, I regret not spending my whole life entirely 100% to the service of the Quran. So dedicate your time to reading the Quran, to understanding the life, the seerah of the Prophet ﷺ, and this is the way to go, inshallah. We hope that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will bless all of us, guide us, and we, we ask Allah to use us for the guidance of others, inshallah. 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 So, uh, Brother Samuel writes, I 100% feel the pull to Allah and Islam. I can't deny it. Hey, guys, I just want to introduce myself. T3M has been very helpful as I learn and grow. I'm currently reading an older translation of the Quran, but I'm waiting on a newer copy. Inshallah, you got the clear Quran. Um, another uh, sister wrote, My kids benefited so much from the kids' version. Jazakallah khair. Alhamdulillah. And Brother Muhammad wrote, Even as a Medina book student, I found that English is not enough to truly understand the Quran. There are so many grammatical gems that English loses out. Yes, true. just as uh, Brother Mustafa Khadab said. Alhamdulillah. Anil, bro, anything else? Zakallah, we're Man. good. Alhamdulillah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for your time. Yes. If you want to learn more, go to our website, thatclearquran.org. Alhamdulillah. Thatclearquran.org. Links in the description, inshallah. And with that being said, see you guys next time. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Thank you. Assalamu alaikum. Wa alaikum as-salam.